<laughs> I can't believe I actually got through to you. How are you, you old so-and-so? I'm good. Yeah, life's good over here. How about you? How about you? I'm just I'm just living life. I'm playing a lot of games about computational thinking and programming. Oh, yeah. uh, it's good to get you because I was thinking maybe we could loop in someone else. I was thinking maybe we could have a conversation with uh, Zach Barth of mm. Zachtronics Games. Yep, great I idea. I don't, I don't know how you feel about that, or is this going to be a lot of social anxiety? Because I know we're not used to talking yeah. to people. It makes me nervous, but I think we should just give him a call and see what happens. <laughs> Hello? This is Zach. Uh, you have the wrong number. Are you sure? Wait, is this Zach Barth? Who Who is this? This is David Wolinski. Oh, no. hey. Sorry. Hey, no, this, well, we were emailing I, about I thought, calling I thought, you. I thought you were calling to sell me something. I am in a way. I'm here to spread the good word of game thing. Uh, <laughs> I have, I have Pippin on the line here too. Are you there, hey, Pippin? Yeah, yeah, oh. I'm here. I'm here as well. Hey. Do you have something to sell Zach, Pippin? <laughs> oh, no, like I try and make everything I make uh, just free. So, um, I'm oh. Just the bank. Well, if you want to give us money, you can, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm open to um, it. No, well, you've already been so generous. You, uh, you know, I, I wrote to you a couple weeks ago um, about how we're, you know, on game thing, playing a bunch of games, um, exploring coding. And as Pippin also pointed out, as the resident coder here, a lot of these games we're looking at are about computational thinking, which is a distinction I only phonetically understand because I'm the resident <laughs> non-coder here. Um, and I reached out to you saying, hey, would you be kind enough to share a code or two? Um, of uh, some of your games, and then you sent us both all of your games. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, we're not usually beholden on game thing of like, hey, we got to play the hits of what this big idea is. But I don't know if you agree with that perception, but like the perception from our end and having never spoken with you before is just so many Zachtronics games loom so large in that domain. Uh, that it felt foolish to avoid playing uh, any of uh, you and your companies, uh, or former company, I should say, right? Um, any of your games. And we played Shenzhen IO. We had a bunch of questions about these types of games uh, and just your experience with them. Uh, I don't know. Was there, uh, I mean, was there anything else, like sort of big picture wise? We know we were like, well, we got to talk to Zach about this. Yeah, I mean, that's that's it in a nutshell, right? Um, if you think about games that have something to do with programming, I mean, there are many. Um, there have been the sorts of games for probably as long as people have been programming, people have been trying to play with it. But in the contemporary landscape, I don't think that there is another name that would immediately uh, spring to mind other than uh, Zachtronics and the, the, that crew. So we got to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, we got to. We're here to we're here to sell you some confidence boosting, and it's free. Um, <laughs> so I guess like just to get started, the like plant a flag, um, basic context. Like, what Zach is your actual programming education and uh, background? Like, you know, your your work history with this stuff. Yeah, I wanted to I want to touch on something really quick before we forget it. You mentioned computational thinking, 
And the distinction, if there is one, I, I taught computer science at a high school last year for a whole year. And I still have no idea what computational thinking is. I told you, but then it's not just me. <laughs> uh, as far as I can tell, it's just a way for people to say, well, we want to teach programming, but programming is hard. So we don't want to be beholden to programming, uh, which is just utter nonsense. But um, anyway, your real question. Yeah. So I went to I went to college for computer science and computer engineering, and it was like supposed to be like 50 50 between the two. I know pretty much nothing about electronics. Um, I spent a lot of my time trying to uh, figure out how to make video games, which I, I, I'd i always been kind of interested in making games. I've been programming for a really long time, just as like a self-taught amateur. Um, and so one of the things I would often try to be making is games because I grew up with games and like games, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so when I got to college, I was like, well, I'm going to learn how to program for real. And just immediately, just like almost immediately, it's like, I'm going to start making games, especially because I was around all these other people who were into programming and pursuing programming and interested in games and ended up spending like my whole time in college just focused on on making games to the exclusion of learning anything else relevant <laughs> outside of games. Uh, I did an internship at a game company, but it kind of sucked. And I was just like, oh, making games like is actually really boring, like commercially making games. Um, and so when I get my real job as a programmer, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be games because it's all the same. And and I, I was interested in games and making games all this time. But I, I was also, you know, I was interested in programming uh, as a programmer and making money as a programmer. And so I ended up working at Microsoft on Microsoft Office, which is like the opposite of a game. Um, and right away, I was like, wow, this is this was a mistake. I, I miss making games. This is so boring. And so I uh, I pretty much like since like, I don't know, like from like a month in at Microsoft was trying really hard to switch to anything more interesting than working on Office. And I actually ended up on the games team at Microsoft briefly. Um, but by that point, like Space Chem had already you know, was coming out in my my indie career that I had been working on, well, just making games on my own that I had been doing the whole time was at Microsoft kind of took off on its own. Um, yeah. What what span of years are you talking about here from college to that point? Yeah. So I started programming when I was in like fifth grade. That was when I f- discovered like basic programming. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of noodled around with basic and visual basic until I got out of high school. Uh, and then when I got to college, would have been like 2005. Um, and so I was at college for three years, learned some real programming, got out 2008, and I worked at Microsoft from 2008 to 2011. Um, and so I, all through college, I was making just like, I mean, I didn't even know the word indie game. I was just making games and releasing them for free on my website. I was really obsessed with having a big portfolio of shit. And the quality <laughs> of it did not matter. It was about, it was pure quantity. Right. Because I had seen I had seen some guy who had this website and there's just so much stuff that he had made on his website. And I was really amazed just by the the volume of it. Right. And I'm like, yeah, that's like that's me. That's what I want to be as somebody who just releases just this huge volume of stuff like, you know, quality be damned. And uh, and so all through college, 2005 to 2008, I'm just making like really terrible games and releasing them on my site. Um, and then when I get out of college and start working at Microsoft, 
I keep doing that. So, you know, 28, 2008, 2009, 2010, uh, I make, that's when I start making some games that actually start being played by people other than just like my immediate friend group. Uh, I started building up some kind of fans of my work online. That's when I make Infiniminer, uh, which went on to inspire mm-hmm. Minecraft in a pretty direct way. Uh, so that's all from like 2008 to 2011. And so, after the whole Infiniminer thing, I was sort of, there was a little bit of soul searching about like, I should be doing something with making these games. You know, if I'm making games that are this close to hitting in a real way, I should like make a real game. And that was when, you know, we learned about like Braid and indie games and XBLA kind of coming up. And that was what led to Space Chem, which was my first deliberately commercial game. Um, and then that was, you know, Space Chem came out. I was working on that while I was at Microsoft. Um, just sort of on nights and weekends. And then <clears throat> Space Chem comes out in 2011, which is right when I was leaving, you know, like I, I managed to get on the games team at Microsoft, but by that point, who cared? I already had an indie game studio that was taking off. Um, and then from there, we, you know, a handful of us quit Microsoft and started making games full time. That's, that's all, yeah. that was a lot. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. I mean, and one thing that it, um, it makes me think of because I've been reading, of course, uh, the, the giant Zach like Bible mm-hmm. of late. So some of this, <laughs> Some of the stories familiar to me, and I, I definitely wanted to just say to you, very literally, kind of for me, and actually from a research group that I that I work with at Concordia University, how amazing that document is. I'm I'm really interested in the ways that that game designers can manage to reflect on their processes. I don't think it's especially common for people to be so forthright um, with it. Yeah. 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 Let's make it available at all. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good read. It's real, it's a real page turner. Um, and also, I mean, as somebody who does make a whole lot of crap, uh, as well, um, <laughs> I, in looking at your earlier games, I mean, I must say, I thought that a lot of them seemed extremely interesting and it, and it kind of folds into something I, I'm just curious about again as a kind of, um, you know, top level, what's going on here, sort of a question. Um, and it's a question I ask myself too, which is, do you like uh, playing your games? Um, I know that I don't really like playing very many of my games. And I'm really curious, like, what is it about Zactronics games um, that you think people enjoy? And like, I, maybe more importantly, like, do you enjoy them? Do you like your games, uh, Zach? Sometimes. I. <laughs> it... <laughs> it's probably a true answer though, right? Oh, yeah. there, the the real like dark secret at the core of all of it is that I make games that I like making, mm-hmm. and like that's that's not how it's supposed to work. You're supposed to make games that people want to play, and then they buy your games and everything works out, you know. <laughs> and I I just make games that I like making, and that's not even games that I like playing. Mm-hmm. I like you know when I I don't really play games anymore for a variety of reasons, but when I used to, I would play like first person shooters. Right, I've never made any. I mean, I guess Infiniminer was a first person game, but that's like the closest I've ever come to making something that I wanted to play. Um, and even then, it was just kind of like it was kind of boring because I already made it. I already understood all of it. I don't I don't really get a lot of satisfaction out of playing any of my games. They're just things that I like making. Um, and I, I like figuring out the pieces and how they go together. That's why a lot of stuff I make is a puzzle, right? Because it's all about figuring out these systems that interact in interesting ways and that for whatever reason people play. Um, and then it keeps kind of sustaining that, that process. Uh, some of the games that I've made, I have been into playing and it's, it's almost just 
I mean, I guess it's like an accident and also damning. Like one of my, one of the games I played the most of mine was Opus Magnum, and I think it's because it's like one of the better games and more playable. <laughs> so I think there's maybe a lesson that I I still haven't learned, like I should, which is that if I don't really like playing one of my games, I probably shouldn't release it. You know, it's it's maybe not the kind of thing I should be making. But Opus Magnum, I, I played through most of because it was like, oh yeah, this this is fun and easy and exciting, and you know, it feels good <laughs> to optimize the the things and make them faster. Um, it's uh, it's wonderful to hear you use the word easy uh, in relation to any of your work because um, I know, oh, you know yeah. that they're famously <laughs> very difficult. But of course, uh, as you said, I mean, you know how these things work, and yeah, I think that, Opus that sucks the enjoyment just, a little bit. Opus Magnum is easy; just a lot of people seem to be bad at it. I don't. That's me. Explain it. I'm I don't, one of those people. Shots fired. <laughs> I mean, when I before and as I was emailing you, I was touch, reaching out to other developers um, who make other games that fall under this category, and I think you may have been the only one who did not discourage me slash us from going down this alley. Like a lot of developers say, they don't like to play them themselves. They remind them too much of work. Oh, that's insane. Uh, like, that's... And, and, and Pippin and I had like a side conversation about like, well, is this just like a like a creative person's compulsion of like they have this thing in them? Like, why make it if you don't like them or don't want to play them? But I think you said it was insane, so I feel like you have something to say. <laughs> oh, no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I I always I see lots of people on Twitter say that like, oh, I can't bring myself to play Zactronics games because there's so much like work, and it's I. I always well, I mean off. specifically like developers. No. Oh, that's what I mean. Oh, I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah, I'm yeah, getting there. Okay. Yeah. So well, I, I see you know. players say that, and like I understand it, but I think that's crazy because you know, especially like the games that we make are, are very creative. They're deliberately like I'm not asking anybody to program in JavaScript, right? <laughs> like I we invent these totally different worlds and paradigms and ask people to use that. You know, it's it's a completely different process. So I don't really understand that. I really can't understand somebody who makes their own game saying like, oh, it just feels like work to play this game. It's like, what? what? I don't design a more fun game. I don't. <laughs> well, it's like they would they would like give us the codes and they're like, well, good luck and goodbye. <laughs> uh, so weird. I, I mean, you know, I think they're grateful for like anyone being interested, but I sense that like that was the end of the conversation, um, which so is okay. Weird. You know, no one has to say more about it yeah no i think curious it's like if you had any sense of it before yeah it's unusual to be like can you send us like a code or two and you're like here's our entire library of works enjoy yeah it's because i'm here here, have two have two yeah exactly (laughs) i'm super proud of of all the games we've made because i think they are you know like obviously they have this this weird constraint which is they had to be something that i was interested in making and in the process that alienates a lot of players but i think they're all really creative despite this obvious like limitation of accessibility and you know niche interest like they're i don't know i think we, i think we make some of the most creative games in that this like kind of weird perverted space of programming games <laughs> perverted space uh say more about that <laughs> oh god i don't there I don't. I mean, this is the thing I think about. We just, we, we just uh, as a, as a, I, I still hang out with all the Zactronics people because we have our new studio, which is all the Zactronics developers at a new studio. And so we were um, kind of hate watching Indie Game the movie mm-hmm. last Friday, which I've never seen before, and our writer had never seen before, because um, I avoided watching it like really, really hard, avoided watching that. Um, and so we finally watched it. And one of the things that it just really left me with is 
you know, it talks about Braid and Super Meat Boy and Fez, and it's like, those are some gamey-ass games, right? All three of them are indie puzzle platformers, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, all made by white dudes, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, unfortunately, I'm going to... It's part of it, it's part of too, it, yeah, you gotta but... say it, yeah. They're all indie puzzle platformers, you know, and they're all like really gamey games. And that, that was sort of the take my head is just like, God, like the stuff I make is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> like they're talking, to, they're talking about how like worried about their game not selling. And it's just like, oh, try making Space Chem. She's <laughs> a game that looks, pretends to be about chemistry and isn't even like it's, uh, I feel like we really made it hard for ourselves. <laughs> well, that was like part of a thing, sort of a two part thing. Uh, one was like I sensed as we were emailing. I couldn't tell if in real time you were reflecting and realizing like how many of your how many Zactronics games are about labor, or if that's something you've observed and thought of before. But I'm also curious, like since Zactronics is a thing of the past, like this is such a active studio type question. But like, you know, what what do you feel like that body of work has sort of contributed to the genre or, or what's there now that you know wasn't before i guess to borrow your language did you help pervert it more <laughs> oh no i i think i just what i meant by that was just that it, it's a it's a very strange genre of game well don't scandalize pippin that's the main thing mm-hmm. <laughs> we want to protect the sensibilities my ears yeah, are it, red yeah it's just a, it's a very strange genre of game especially cons- I, i'm always really self-conscious about like Okay, Pippin, mute your speakers now. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Just about about calling myself a, a game designer. Yeah. And I don't really make gamey games, and so much of games is gamey games, and and obviously there's room for art and weird weird stuff in games, but I still feel, you know, a little bit of like a, an outsider, an imposter, or something making these games that are not really. And, you know, sometimes we try to make gamey games, and they they've all been kind of commercial flops, <laughs> um, and they're just like too technical and not fun enough, and I don't, we're able to make them because we made money making these not gamey games. And then I'm like, look, I can make games too. And it's like, well, maybe not. But, uh, you know, so that's, that's always the thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, what have, what have we contributed to the programming game space? I mean, I think there's a reason why, unfortunately, lots of people call them Zach likes now. You know, like we, we kind of, I mean, program, like you mentioned, people have been making programming games for as long as they've been programming games. Right, like Core Wars is ancient, mm-hmm. and people did stuff like that for a very long time. Um, and then, like in the '80s, there were lots of kind of like educational adjacent programming games. It's not much of a stretch for somebody who programs, which is a necessity to make games, especially in the '80s, to be like, "Hey, I like programming. I should try incorporating some of this stuff I like into this game I'm making." Um, so that's you know that's kind of obvious, but I, I feel like in the you know, for the two for the two thousands or the twenty tens or or whatever, I, I think I think our games are have been a, a huge part of people's experiences with programming games. I, I know a lot of programming games that are out there are like pretty directly inspired by stuff we made. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so I just I think we're a big part of that, right? Yeah, I mean, yes, I think uh, I think that's absolutely true. And one of the things. Um, well, one of the interesting things you said early on, actually, is you said you you started programming. Like when we first asked you, you know, when you started doing sort of programming stuff, you kind of reflexively refer to computer science um, at what what Americans call college. Um, <laughs> and but in fact, it turns out that you were programming in BASIC um, and you at sort of age ten ish, and that that very much fits my vision of these sort of uh, 
genius type programmers who have been programming since uh <laughs> well not since they were in diapers i assume you 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 got out of those a little a little earlier than me. but <laughs> one of the things that really interests me there is that there is this distinction between programming and computer science um you know programming being kind of the the functional expression of ideas that come out of computer science and computer science almost being i don't know almost like sort of the philosophy of programming or or something like yeah. that um, and then you also pointed out, you know, the 80s and the world of edutainment and so forth. But also, but but as well in uh, Zachwike, you point out you did a lot of education-oriented uh, game development contracts, mm-hmm. um, yeah, very sensibly. And so I'm really curious then because there's this whole kind of world of stuff in a lot of the Zachtronics games, and maybe especially in um, in Shenzhen IO, which which we played extensively, and and, and other games too. Of it's kind of educational. Um, it's kind of like obfuscated. I don't know if you would agree with that. It's kind of narrative. There's all kinds of different facets going on here that tie into programming and, and maybe to computer science as well. You talked about paradigms as this thing that's important to you too, like providing different paradigms of programming, mm-hmm. which I think is super interesting. And I guess as a designer, I, I, I believe you are a game designer. Um, what, what are you sort of trying to produce in the player to the extent that that's kind of the, you know, the objective of making a game is that you're sort of creating creating an experience for a player. And I try to imagine, like, what does Zach want to happen to me, <laughs> for me, uh, while I'm playing uh, one of those games? What is the Zachtronics team? Because I don't, I don't want to accidentally just refer to you. Uh, is it sort of these joyful aha moments where you work something out? Is it this, the, the satisfaction of a cheap and dirty hack that gets you through a level? Is it literally to learn a kind of computer computer science like do you have that kind of mm-hmm. level of thinking when you make these things it's definitely not wanting to enrich our players uh, <laughs> our, our games <laughs> thank god our, our mission, games, mission accomplished <laughs> yeah our, i think our games are not educational and that they don't fit into this or they fit very poorly into this idea of like a capital e educational system. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the big takeaways I got from teaching for a year is that apparently I'm actually really against education, uh, but in the sense of like an educational system that has captured this idea of growing as people and like learning things in the same way that the church has captured this idea of spirituality uh and connectedness and, and stuff and so I, I i sort of never i never i don't know I, I was always really interested in educational stuff but i kept kind of bouncing off of it we'd make educational games under contract and i'd be kind of disappointed with how it all turned out and it wasn't mm-hmm. until i taught that i really sort of got a sense of this capital e educational system and just sort of all the things it dictates about uh, about about life and in society and 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 I don't even know like the words for this, the, the, like the underlying, you know, what, what spirituality is to religion. I don't know what X is to education, mm-hmm. right? like the primitive, every, every person version of it. But um, I know that our games fit very poorly into the capital E education space because they're not designed to teach you anything that's transferable, mm-hmm. right? They're just a thing to occupy you, but they they occupy the same part of your brain and the same sense of, you know, being a person that uh, getting to solve a really interesting programming problem in real life does, right? So it's like this kind of artificial, deliberately created artificial version of this real life analog of the joy of solving problems. But that's, 
like you also, you know, one of your theories is like, oh, do I make these games to elicit these moments of joy and satisfaction? People, fuck no, I'm not thinking about anybody when I make these games other than myself, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, and I, I think this is, we, we, we kind of talked about this a couple of minutes ago that I can only make games that are interesting for me to make. And that's all of these games that I've made are, are regrettably like stuff that was interesting for me to make. And there's like a process of, you know, kind of consciously trying to align it with people's interests. I don't want to make stuff that's so awkward that like no one can play it or that it's, you know, we, we do play test and we do try to make our games better. But the, the core of the game always comes from just like, oh, this would be a really cool thing, right? This would be a really cool artifact that happens to be a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's really the driving force behind all of it like you know making a game like oh what if you know what like i I made this game before about like arms manipulating atoms and and that was based on like what if alchemy was like chemistry where it was you know like little stick and ball diagrams and and things and and just kind of like what if we took that to the max and made a game that was all about this kind of fake alchemy and had all these little clockwork machines and what would be interesting within that and how are ways that we can you know like expand on these rules to make a bunch of different situations where they're all like different and figuring it out. And it's just kind of, it's just about like making a game just as this, just on its own. Like, like, I guess people will play it. Maybe like, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> well, I don't. A, th- a through line for us has been uh, this season, checking the, the font of knowledge that is steam reviews and uh, sometimes Reddit and seeing people not really debate, but sort of bludgeon each other on whether these games are easy. <laughs> um, and I wonder if you ever see those kind of conversations and <laughs> you I, just yeah. sort of shake your head or do you not, or do you shrug or do you not read that stuff? I I see stuff like that. You know, I see the people saying like, oh, I can't play Zectronics games because they're too much like work. And it's just like, okay, sure, sure, buddy. You know, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't really think of about it that much like I just I I think one of the things you know you're talking to me because I made a bunch of games in this space and like we kind of float to the top when you look at all the people making games in this space but I, I'm just one giant like post hoc rationalization right I, I just made a thing I it, it's true like I just made a thing that I wanted to make and just it happened to be that there was an audience for it and it just happened to be that the way like the decisions we made after kind of finding that initial like gold strike you know, just happen to also be good decisions and things that played well with people. And and it's like, it's just an accident that I'm the one who's here, you know, but it's just because I'm doing the thing I wanted to do. And it just happened to be like aligned with people's interests. So I just kind of keep like, you know, it's almost like superstition, like just, just keep repeating the thing I did that worked before. And, uh, and it keeps working kind of. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean that that makes sense. I mean, you're incredibly self-deprecating, obviously. I'm sure you I'm sure you know that. Um, yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting to me. You know, I I totally believe you when you say you make these games kind of to make them. And so, in in some sense, for yourself, I mean, I have a lot of sympathy for that. I make I mean, I th- make things I think far more opaque than that than you've ever dreamed of, and that's why I, <laughs> I cannot sell them for any money. That's why they're free. It's not because uh, <laughs> I wouldn't sell them, I suppose, if I had the opportunity. But um, I just think it's really interesting because you're, you're I mean, you're playing a kind of game um, mm-hmm. is, is by making a game. That's kind of like, that's it's your the best game, time. too. Absolutely. I, I, I'm with you all the way on that. But I think it's just so interesting that you, you know, the kind of game your brain I guess wants to to work on with with the rest of the team is 
you know, it, it is this kind of like meta thing where it's about, it's, it itself is about programming and then it goes off to the players and then they're engaging in this, you know, however many layers deep we are in thinking about programming. And, and, and as David said, if you, and you, you can read people who are blogging extensively about their experiences of, of playing these games. And I don't think it's true that there's no transferable skills. I get what you mean in that, you know, you're not going to learn JavaScript. You're not going to, you know, step into programming in assembly on some, on some chipset or something, but it's, it's very much about ways of thinking. Um, that are transferable, I think. Like, I think if, you know, I teach, I, I teach programming as well, or, I mean, you taught computer science. I only teach programming, um, at the university and. I'm oh, I only taught programming. Don't, there's no, there's no quote unquote computer science happening at a high school <laughs> level. Um, but if I put, you know, if I put Shenzhen IO or TIS in front of my students, I, there's no question to me that they would, they would be better at programming. Um, and particularly oh God, this, really? this, this weird thing called computational thinking, which is really hard to grasp, I think is it is made easier by the kinds of scenarios that you're able to concoct, the kind of Moorishness of the, you know, the narrative beats associated with what you're doing. Just because so much programming feels so meaningless, right? Um, especially in the early stages. Um, I, I think <laughs> one of the interesting things about Zectronics games is making incredibly simple programs feel uh, meaningful and, and contextualized in a way that's hard to do if it's just like move a circle across the screen. Um, I, I completely disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just can't, like TIS 100 is so confusing mm-hmm. and, and that has this, this kind of like, it, it's so much about like, like the confusingness and the, the atomic primitives of assembly programming, which is the opposite of any modern programming language, mm-hmm. right? Like all the compare and go to nonsense. And it's also all about this parallel, like data processing, which is again not present in most programming languages, right? And so it, it's you know, I mean, the reason why we picked all these to make the reason why our programming games are about the kinds of programming concepts that they're about is because we were trying really hard to make something that didn't feel like typical, like like a structure, like modern structured programming, mm-hmm. like if statements and while loops and functions. We we tried really hard to make something that's different from that, uh, so that way it would be interesting and not feel like someone's work, right? To make it an interesting <laughs> puzzle, and and I think it's that same quality that actually makes it would be like insane. Like if you put this in front of you know people in like an intro to programming class, they would come away with completely the wrong impression about programming, and I think it would like the game is frustrating in its puzzleness, and I, I think that would discourage just so many people, right? Like, when I actually taught programming, I, I did the complete opposite, which is that I made it all about creating stuff and, like, writing code that creatively expresses, like, an idea and kind of teaching. I, I, I When I, the, the semester I, I ran my own curriculum, it was all kind of about making games and game-like mm-hmm. interactive things, and mm-hmm. so I went really hard away from like the correctness of a Zactronics game into something that's just this like freeform artsy do whatever you want programming. And I, I think it was, I mean, that was also a disaster, but I think that's just teaching programming is a disaster <laughs> in general. It's not straightforward. Um, um, I'll just disagree with you like one little extra time and then I will let, uh, let David back in on this as, you know, I from, I think you're both right. Yeah. You know, we're, no, we're I right. don't understand anything. I, mean, I understand <laughs> The gist of it, I mean, I should probably tell you, Zach, like something I've had to give over as as a player of games is like looking up solutions to stuff and and tips and cheats and sometimes just the answers. And uh, 
the Shenzhen IO, I had the experience of looking at the answer, still getting it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ex exactly, right? Like it doesn't, yeah. Which just means like I had to further scrutinize, read closely. And like it still forces you to, I mean, I don't know, Pippin and I go back and forth. It's like, well, what's going on here? Are you learning stuff? Is it trying to teach you stuff? I don't know. I mean, it it it, <laughs> it forced me to read more closely. Uh, maybe it's just because the font size is so damn small. Um, <laughs> yeah. In in my mind, if, if you look up any solutions for any of our games, you're not getting the proper experience. Am I going to hell or? Mm -hmm. No, I don't. I mean, there's there's no such thing. But lucky there's for you, there's no such thing as the proper experience or hell. As hell, there's. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I guess hey, there's, we're, we're breaking I, some big news here. Oh my. <laughs> I'm more confident that there's no hell than I am that there's no proper way to play a Zach. There's one proper way to play a Zachtronics game, but um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I I think because it's it's all about the you know the the figuring it out, right? And I mm -hmm. I think there is like some people people do like really extreme players do look at each other's solutions and they're able to learn techniques from looking at each other's solutions. But yeah. I, I always the way I always stereotype and maybe it's not based in information, but the way I always stereotype people who are new to our games and are looking up solutions is that they're 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 just like 30 minutes away from refunding the game on Steam, <laughs> right? Because the first time you you look up a solution, like you're probably not gonna like go back and from scratch using the thing you learned, synthesize your own solution. You're just gonna kind of like coast on that one you looked up and it's like, yeah, you're never gonna learn the thing you were supposed to, you know, that I was kind of hoping that you would learn at that moment. Not yeah, that David. my games are that explicit. But well, this is after an hour of uh Yeah, I just think yeah, I yeah. <laughs> but you just said they're not meant to educate. So who's really to blame you? Yeah. That's kind of yeah, the, exactly. the source of my my disagreement. I'd like there is there is teaching going on, there is learning going on. And I don't think it's like I only learned how to play Shenzhen IO when I played Shenzhen IO. I I think that there's this huge amount, and again, like I think it's maybe related more to computer science than to programming. Maybe that's that's something that's going on here. But there is a thing I think about maybe having a computer science degree, which I mean, which I know you do and, and I do too, where I just think that knowing a bit about how lower levels of, of these weird machines work and don't work um, is, is just incredibly relevant to the creative express, expression stuff that, you know, we then try and teach our programming students the ways that, you know, efficiencies work in, in assembly or the weird things that machines, the sort of the hoops that you have to make them jump through to do something interesting are part of what it means to program creatively. And, and I do think that, that the Zactronics work teaches that stuff right i guess it depends on your definition of teach i always think of transferability <laughs> right and i i think our games are very low in transferability to things outside of them i suppose Absolutely. you do have to learn the game while you play it but that's just true of everything do you right? think like, is there, is that makes, there a, if that's is true there, pokemon is an educational game is, is there oh, a yeah. trans do you think there's a transferability between games in your in the Zachtronics catalog, then? Like, do you think, is it like just, mm. is it super siloed and just specific to the output of you? And, you know, if it's so, coming from you and it's all things that interest you? So the way I think about difficulty in games is that people come in at a certain skill level and then they leave at a maybe marginally slightly higher skill level, right? Like no one is going to get really great at programming or really great at games over the course of a playing one of my games, right? They come in at a certain level Hopefully it's high enough. Otherwise, they're going to bounce off and refund it immediately. But they're going to come in at a certain level and they're going to get a little bit better, maybe. Uh, they're going to learn all the specifics of the game. 
right? They're going to learn a bunch of like factual knowledge and like little skills and techniques about the game, but like their overall ability to solve problems, to debug things like debug programming problems uh to like think in terms of code like all of that stuff i don't i don't think we're helping with at all i think we're just testing it right i think our games in practice are probably like if we're thinking talking about them in this like big e educational kind of context i think all they're really doing is testing people they're not really teaching them stuff mm. can you talk a little about or did you have something to there, no, no, no. It was just like my, I was a, a gentle, like, well, I don't know about that, but I can talk right. about something please, else. All right, guys, please break it up, break it up. <laughs> <laughs> I have to split off into separate calls. Um, well, I had let's let's change gears a little bit. I had a question about just the uh, inclusion of solitaire uh-huh. in uh, not just Shenzhen IO, but every uh, one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we spent the most time with Shenzhen, but I mean. What's a little, can you just talk a little bit about like what was behind the decision to include it? Is it like a symbolic thing? Is it a meaningful thing? Is it a remnant of your time with Microsoft uh, Office <laughs> stuff? Or is it simply a diversion to help players let off steam? I can tell you Pippin felt very guilty of sconding away from work in Shenzhen and yeah. <laughs> playing <laughs> solitaire. Yeah. Uh, so based on what I've told you so far, what do you think the answer is? Why are there solitaire games in my games? You're testing us. Yeah, no, you're trying to teach us. I'm, just, making it, I'm no. just kidding. Yeah. So what's what's the real reason? Fun. Why is it in the game? Is it for you? For oh, okay. You. you think it's just because you like designing solitaire games? Yeah. Because <laughs> I wanted to put it in the game, right? It started with Shenzhen because we were making, like, the whole conceit for that game was uh, we're just going to build a fake operating system and we're going to have you read emails because it's going to be really cost effective to put a lot of story in and it takes place, it's like about corporate culture. A lot of the stuff that Matthew, our writer, put into Shenzhen IO was sort of experiences and feelings we had working at Microsoft and in big companies like that. Mm-hmm. And so... um so email made a lot of sense. And it's like, well, if we're going to make an operating system, clearly it needs a solitaire game, right? <laughs> because, you know, I, I fondly remember, you know, Microsoft Solitaire, you know, like the, the Klondike version that came with, with old versions of Windows. And, um, and so we, we made one and it, it ended up being kind of thematically relevant using Mahjong cards and, and stuff like that. And so we, we did it once and, and people, loved it right like it was mm-hmm. a good it was a good solitaire variant mm-hmm. one of the better ones i've made they're not all that good um it's, it's one of the best ones um and it just kind of fit right in and people liked it and we were like oh yeah people can do this when they're burnt out and need a break on puzzles like i, I don't know how to what degree that's true i've never run a study looking at our data to see like does it it's very people, true do they bounce to the solitaire and then bounce back into the game i have no idea right but I, they're, they're fun to make and they're cheap enough that I could justify the cost of having a little bit of extra art for the solitaire. Um, and it just kind of became like a thing that I was always really excited about with all these projects is that when we get started, um, I can make a solitaire game. Like, you know, we have a game we're working on in our, our new studio. And the first thing I did was make a solitaire game to go in. <laughs> like, I, I had to like create the repo and get everything started just so I could code up the solitaire game in it and kind of really jumped the gun on that. But, um, yeah, I just, I just like doing it. And people, it started to be like this funny joke between me and our, our players. And so I kept doing it. And, um, yeah, I don't, it's a really interesting design space too. I don't really get to design a lot of stuff nowadays because even though we put out games fairly often, um, I don't really work on personal projects outside of my big projects and I have a really hard time 
kind of conceiving of and executing on small little projects because I'm so busy working mm. on real stuff all the time. And so the solitaire games are a nice way to get to do a little bit of like, you know, like cheap design within like this like kind of weirdly constrained space that excuses a lot of the bad design decisions, right? Like nobody expects a solitaire game to be that fun. So I'm free to just sort of do design as a technical exercise and not like necessarily like a huge people pleasing exercise. Um, it just kind of, I, I, I just keep getting away with it. <laughs> it stops today. <laughs> it's a great solitaire. I mean, I've played many, many rounds of that solitaire. And I do think, I mean, at least for me, uh, and maybe this is, you know, just one of those giant post hoc rationalizations, which I think is a really interesting way to talk about game design. Cause I think some of the post hoc stuff probably is relevant to why these things come up, but. It is a really interesting emotional balancer against the, um, you know, the rigors of assembly and XBus and all of the, the wires going everywhere. Um, but to, to return to yet another kind of Shenzhen IO reference, because, you know, it's, it's our main entry point into all of this still. The, you know, the, the excellent and punchy kind of stinger for the game is build circuits, write code, RTFM. Um, <laughs> an acronym that, I mean, I, I, as I recall, David may not have um, been familiar with when we jumped in, but, Super familiar to me uh, from my my days as a computer science undergrad, and also like a you know it's a it's an interesting acronym. It means uh, read the fucking manual, of course. Um, and it's kind of you know it's kind of abrasive, a little abusive, uh, and mm-hmm. maybe in some ways kind of emblematic of some of that programmer bro code kind of thing that's somewhat about excluding outsiders. Uh, is, is one reading of it, right? And I'm interested in what your reading of, of that acronym is. Like, what's your relationship to RTFM and its, and its relationship to your games, which have really interesting uh, manuals as part of their, their nature? Yeah. So the tagline for TIS 100 was the assembly programming game you never asked for, <laughs> uh, which is pretty, you know, pretty directly a, a reference to the, the Deus Ex, like the, the 2008 or whatever Deus Ex game, like, I didn't ask for this or something meme. <laughs> it's like a meme with the character from that. And so we're like, oh, well, this would be, because we, we thought it was so audacious to be releasing a game about assembly programming that it just kind of, we can't, somebody came up with it and it, it stuck. It's, yeah, it's the assembly programming mm-hmm. game you never asked for. And it was funny and it worked well because like when people talked about the game on the internet, they were using that catchphrase to talk about it. And I feel like that's like a good, that's like a good version of a tagline for a game is that you're giving people a joke that they can tell their friends when they're telling them about the game. Right. And so that's what like a good name or a good tagline is going to do. And it worked really well with the assembly programming game you never asked for. And so um this is, this is definitely a sequel to that game. Mm-hmm. And we were looking at it through that lens. Like we want something to be a little, a little punchy that people can use it like in their reviews as a joke or when they're telling their friends. Um, and I, so I think we were kind of in that mindset. And then when it came time to actually figure out like, what is the tagline for this game? It's like, well, we need to tell people what it's about. You build circuits, you write code, and then you read this manual. And that was sort of the big thing we really like doubled down on in, um, in, 
like in, in Shenzhen IO over TIS 100 mm. is that TIS 100 had a manual, but it was just sort of like this perfunctory thing. Like we had a manual because I didn't want to try to tutorialize it using traditional game tutorial methods, which don't let you go back and look up documentation, which is kind mm-hmm. of important when you're programming. So mm-hmm. we wrote this manual because we didn't know what else to do and we didn't think TIS 100 was going to be anything important. Um, when Shenzhen IO, we were deliberately making this game. We knew it was going to go somewhere and do something. Um, and so we, we made the manual like a really key part of it and like the data sheets and the visuals of it and stuff. That was all, that was all super important. Um, and so we're thinking like, okay, like, what do you do in this game? You, you build circuits, you write code and you read the manual. And it's like, well, that's not a joke. And it's like, oh, RTFM. Now it's a joke, right? <laughs> Because it's like this, you know, like mildly transgressive, you know, abbreviation and you don't know until you know. And yeah, it just like made it into a joke. Um, I don't think I've ever told anybody to RTFM in real life. I'm not mm. like a, an early 2000s system administrator on IRC, you know, or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess, oh, I guess that, real. Phrase, that phrase was coined by, you know, people wearing like, like, whatever like jinx hackware you know like there's like nerd shirts from the early 2000s there's no place like 127.0.0.1 you know like, oh man right like yeah I, uh <laughs> no we've been talking I, about irc all morning so this is uh yeah. getting close to home for us no pun intended. Yeah. So i don't i don't really think about the the connotations with like you know the neckbeards actually telling people to rtfm it's just like oh this is like a funny like in joke with programmers which is clearly who the game is made for right <laughs> so yeah so it's sort of i mean i guess it sounds like a, a big thing that you've talked about a few times and it's it's pretty clear um in zach like and just in general that you believe in this kind of building up of a community and and within that community everybody knows that it's kind of winky and in good fun um yeah. So yeah, it, it makes sense to me that as as a joke, if you're if you're in the know, it's almost like a, a second order RTFM that you need to have read the Zactronics manual to know that that was uh, that was meant as a joke. <laughs> I would hope that everybody think is a joke. I don't like. Who knows? Uh, yeah. Have you been on the uh, internet lately? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I never I never I don't remember people getting upset about that the RTFM aspect. People uh-huh. get upset oh. about stuff with our games, but not not usually the taglines. Oh, that's an interesting avenue. I'll, um, I'll see if David <laughs> wants to go there. Uh, yeah, I want to look up why people are angry online. <laughs> oh, honestly, like a lot of times I'm thinking back to, I don't know if it was that one. Um, resolution support is like a weird sticking point. Hmm? I, somebody, I made fun of somebody's laptop once on a podcast or something and they got like very upset on, oh. on Steam. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to support. I, all of our games are 2D and they're all like this very fixed kind of layout thing. And so we always struggle to adapt our game to the wide variety of resolutions mm-hmm. and hardware that you find on, on laptops in, in particular. And so I, I feel like it was with. It might have been Opus Magnum, but I, I, I said somebody had a dank laptop, which isn't even. I think that was oh, David. Oh, oh, oh. Wasn't that you, David? Yeah. Uh, no, it's perfectly dry. <laughs> yeah. So, and which isn't even really like dank is like good <laughs> if you're talking about weed. I don't really know. Yeah, it's not. So yeah, uh, it's but personal. You shouldn't be talking about people's laptops. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's a personal so was, space. Yeah. There was a thing, and this person was very upset. I felt really bad that I like kind of offended them with their laptops. Like, no, like I, it's, it's, your laptop screen is small. We we struggle to make stuff fit on these these screens. You know, as yeah, so that that's the kind of stuff that mm-hmm. we do that pisses people off. Is you were talking about the small text, right? It's like font size, font I, contrast, I did mention it. resolution not, issues. These I was are the not things complaining people, about it. I was just mentioning it. These are the things that people get mad at us for, and they're not wrong. No, it's not so bad. It is hard to make flat games. 
with, especially with the information density of our games. Our games have these like appallingly insane information densities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's all that's always the first thing I do when I'm laying out a new game is like, okay, can I mock this up and actually fit everything on screen? Like best case black and white placeholder art. Mm-hmm. You know, it only yeah, gets worse when you try to make it look amazing. good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember what you're talking about, Pippin. No, I'm on a widescreen monitor, so it was like totally blown out and like I needed a magnifying glass, is what it was. Mm. Not yeah. literally, but it was basically. I mean, I'm, you got to turn down your resolution. I yeah. have. I did not email you about that. Yeah, yeah. I figured it out for myself. Thank you. Yeah, that was before uh, we started making all our games in 4K. Oh my gosh. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, it, it, something that Pippin and I talked about quite a bit in Shenzhen IO is this. Uh, email you get early on from uh, Tilly Liu. I think hope I'm pronouncing that right. Where she's basically just writing a semi-existential note with this question about why are we here? And mm, yeah, uh, the newsletter. As, yeah, yeah. And as as you get deeper into the game, um, as I sort of suspected, and I think Pippin, you may have actually gotten there because you played the game and you did RTFM and you understood it. <laughs> um, you know, like the Shenzhen IO gets at a lot of stuff about questions about, you know, how are you going to be responsible with these skills that you have? And I guess I was just curious to hear you talk generally about like your thoughts about A, the inclusion of it in the game, but B, you know, your relationship uh if we don't believe in computational being a thing, then with programming in general, I guess as it applies to game development. Yeah. So you're talking about the the theme that runs through a lot of our games, actually. About yeah, you know the the stories because our games are all all about programming for the most part, and so a common thing we hit on in our stories is sort of like the responsibility of engineers and people who make stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the responsibility they have to the things they make and the people affected by the things they make? Opus Magnum is like really about this. We kind of doubled down and made the whole story of that about about this Mm -hmm. because you're playing as this alchemist who's like super smart and like kind of a dick and obsessed with solving problems just for their own sake which is kind of how we like you know lovingly make fun of our players right that they're all these just like relentless optimizers they will do anything in the game no matter how like messed up or broken it makes the game look if it gets them a better score because all all gamers are like that but it's especially true of games that are about optimization explicitly um and so, you know, we made a whole character about that. And he's just, like, going along. There's this whole, like, political, like, this huge, like, you know, like, fantasy politics plot going on. And the thing that really motivates him through the whole thing is he just wants to solve a really good problem, you know? And um, and then the story is kind of just like, wow, like, look at all the things that are happening in the world because you're just, like, in search of a really interesting problem. And I, I guess this is, like, a very, like, kind of, like milk toast commentary on on Silicon Valley and tech stuff, right? That all the people who work these places, they're really just looking for, you know, a big check and interesting problems to work on. And and stuff just happens to everybody and technologies get invented and we're all just sort of along for the ride because, you know, like if it if it can be done, it it will be done. Um and so yeah, our our games kind of poke at that. Uh none of our games are really trying to say anything. Most of the stories are just people just kind of talking out the different sides of things and like no one wins the argument. Like there's not really a thesis, especially like Shenzhen IO has so many voices in it from all the characters, right? Like you've got like the, like, like, like Carl who, mm-hmm. you know, he, he just nopes out of anything that's like weirdly state aligned or military related or, you know, and he's very cynical about all that stuff. Whereas other people are like, no, we, this is just our job. We have to do our job. Otherwise we don't get paid and we all need to get paid. 
And so people have all kinds of opinions. But is that something, is that something that like you grappled with or you grappled with earlier in your career? Um, I worked on dumb shit my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) I worked on Microsoft Visio, uh, which is a diagramming program. And then I worked on uh, a Windows Phone 7 exclusive video game that no one's ever played. And then I made a bunch of Zactronics games. Right. I've never worked on anything serious. I, sometimes I think about it, but it's usually more as being on like the, like the, the victim side of the equation, right? Like we all, you know, we all have live in a world that's been changed by technology and I was not the one to change it, right? I just, I'm the recipient of those changes. I don't really have anything deep to say about it though. It's just sort of like, if you're going to tell a story about engineers and programmers, you have to like say something that's relevant to engineering and programming. And there's not a lot to say about it. Other than just like, wow, these these people real sure are doing things, you know. <laughs> that's that's definitely one of my core takeaways. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, right? Like, it's we, you're like I, telling a story in our games is super important to me, um, both because like you need a, an interesting world to sort of latch all your puzzles onto to make them feel real and relevant and grounded, um, and then you need to have characters that like do character things because otherwise it's boring right you're just it's not just like a wikipedia article with like facts about the world like you need characters to inhibit that world and be interesting and so like they just they end up talking about what they're going to talk about you know this it ends up being stuff that you know matthew and i are, are interested in talking about but or matthew more than me but uh yeah i think it's just it's kind of the obvious version of it it's mm-hmm. like yeah this is this is a thing in the world <laughs> kind of non-judgmentally i don't <laughs> yeah although i mean i guess um with all of these i mean obviously i mean the the game in asking you through its gamesy structures to keep going you know that you've become embroiled in exactly the process that you're talking about and i think uh, a sort of sympathetic way that's um that's nice though as well right it's not just saying it's a thing it's living that thing yourself as a as a player of the game which is kind of cool yeah yeah exactly um I was wondering, I mean, again, I'm thinking about Shenzhen IO, but I, you've made so many different games with Zactronics that have this, they appear to have, I should say, because I mean, I don't know, they appear to have a lot of freedom involved in them because they have little, you know, they have little programming languages or little diagramming languages that enable you maybe to make not anything. I don't know if they're Turing complete or, 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 or what have you, but I wonder how often or, or, or ever are you kind of surprised by something that that a player has managed to to pull off um, oh, in, yeah. one, in one of these? Like, what's 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 an example of that? I'm just curious because I can't do it, so I um I'd love to hear about somebody who could. Yeah, there's. I mean, like, I actually get asked this question a lot. There's a I yeah. gave a talk, a little like mini talk uh, about about this at Google years ago. Um, yeah, people build crazy stuff. I, my favorites are always. Um, <laughs> people implement one of our games and another one of our games. Somebody built like a little toy version of TIS 100 in Infinifactory. Um, (laughs) I don't know how they do it. I I mean, I I know how they do it, but I I really don't understand how they do it. You know, you mean you don't understand why they do it? You understand the code? (laughs) No, just how, I don't understand anything. Like how they, like how (laughs) it works. I'm with you. That's the pull quote right there. Or like how they like actually, like did they just lay it all down like piece by piece? Like I don't, I just, I don't understand anything about, about that. Um, Those are always super impressive. I I really like when people in Shenzhen IO, there's a little sandbox and Mm. we have a bunch of little components for making noises. And like one of my favorite ones is somebody making 
like trying to play a song on like the really shitty little like piezo speaker that we have like in game. And it's like, you can't even really tune it exactly to musical notes. So it's like slightly out of key mm. and it's just got all these little piezo buzzers going. And it's just like it's the funniest fucking thing. Um, that's always my favorite. It's very um, charming as well, yeah. Yeah, it's it's really funny. It never it never got better than that. We 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 often add little things that make noise uh, in a programmable way, but nothing was ever funnier than the out of tune piezo buzzers of Shinji <laughs> Nice, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Some but, of our games are Turing complete. Some of our players make a really big deal out of whether our games are Turing complete or not. Um, I think it's just like a weird thing that some people are obsessed with. We never like try sounds to cool. make them Turing complete. Yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah, that um, would be a really good like bullet point on the back of the box. Oh you know? yeah, or like Somebody. a little so like a star like a starburst sticker or something. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, a Snapple. Yeah. And, Turing yeah. complete. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, it's, sure. I mean, I think in my mind, it's more important to make a in a system that's fun to build things in, mm-hmm. and is is you know both up to the task of of building these solutions but not too convenient so that way you have to kind of think and be a little clever when you're trying to figure out how to do it mm-hmm. um yeah well maybe some of that hooks in with like i don't know i'm just curious about like what you feel maybe you know games uh, or just the nature of interaction can get at or say about coding that you know other mediums can't um i don't know do you have any thoughts on that what, what was that question? Just, just what do you feel like maybe games or just the nature of interaction can get at, like, or say about coding that, like, maybe movies, books, TV, et cetera, can't? Oh, God. I mean, like, movies famously can't depict programming in any sort of meaningful way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I think the difference is that in, in a computer game, you can do it. Right. You can have people write code like actually as part like, cause, you know, you can actually do the activity in it. Um, but you can't do that in non-interactive media. Right. Like programming is about programming, which sounds stupid, but it's, it's about like doing the programming. Right. <laughs> and and I, yeah. yeah, like it's a verb. Right. Like you do it. And it's and it's and I guess one of the things that makes it hard to depict is that it's a thing that happens completely inside your head. Right. And I'm actually good. I was going to say like, oh, you can't really make a movie about weightlifting, but it's like, no, you can, you can show people lifting weights or whatever. It's not the same, but like you can actually show it and like you can, like it's a visual thing. You can show that somebody's lifting a bigger weight, you know, like you can't do any of that with programming, right? Even if you show somebody code, it doesn't look like what it is. It doesn't capture like the idea that, oh, you're, you're creating these data structures and they're going to like sit in this virtual space and then you're going to write stuff that manipulates those data structures. And that's like the, the soul of programming. Like, uh, you know, like that, that's how, how could you even get at that? Like without just doing it and understanding it. Um, so I, yeah, I, yeah, I think that is an answer, maybe. <laughs> Everything is oh, the answer. I feel like Aaron Sorkin would do it. <laughs> Well, they, oh, they, yeah. there's like the social network. Oh, right? that's true. Yeah. There, that's a movie that's ostensibly about programming. I don't remember anything about what that movie says no. about programming. Did they have any right? programming in it? Yeah. Did they even show it? Like, I don't even remember. Like, that's mm. not the parts I remember about it. Maybe just the back of somebody's head. Yeah. Right. Like, like I'm sure they had a scene, but like it doesn't, none of it really gets at what programming is like. And there's that halt and catch fire show. I watched a little bit of that. They try to get into, you know, like what makes it interesting, but it's still not mm. like it's a, it's a, 
I don't know. I mean, I guess detective things or puzzles. I'm not sure. This programming is so boring and <laughs> hidden that it's like, uh, yeah, like, like making a movie about writing or something. Yeah, right? it's like be. it's kind of all all the challenge of that is happening inside your head, and then when people read the book, it's happening inside their heads. And well, that's I think like one of the things I latched onto initially is like you know this genre, if you call it a genre, is like a is an interesting fishbowl for of your of a programmer's life to like go and play in versus like if a writer were to do that you know which is my profession just I could not be moved to give a shit or motivated to really want to play them um yeah although I know uh Matt has done like you know stuff with Tom Bissell on that like you know maybe satirically it's amusing but like I don't think there's a demand as much as there seems to be for games about coding yeah and I, I I think this is maybe a thing where like my games are kind of games about coding, but they're like, even the ones that are explicitly about programming aren't real programming, right? Mm. Like the, there's a reason we do all this assembly programming stuff, which is that it's actually quite different from programming. And we ask you to write tiny little programs and you could replace those programs with like symbols that do the same thing. Right. And so it doesn't like you could, you could really abstract away from being explicitly about programming. And, and it turns into more about like, sequencing things and like these programming concepts but it's very different from programming programming right this is why i kind of scoff at the people who say like oh i program enough for my day job it's like a lot of our games aren't like that much like real programming you know like well, not that uh, kind yeah not that kind like just, i don't know like I, I maybe these people have really amazing programming jobs where they're constantly solving like really interesting fun puzzles and not just <laughs> like arcane programming bullshit reading you the know? api yeah. yeah right like i i don't I don't, I think those are just people who don't like our games just because they don't like them. And then that's just the excuse they come up with. Oh, I think these are people who don't even like their own games in the case of developers. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I'm I, talking about the players. Oh, too. I know, but it's weird how it runs the gamut. There's just a lot of people very vocal about how much they don't like it, but they seem to keep playing them. Yeah. So 600 hours logged. I hate this. Yeah, that was the number one on the Steam. We keep saying, yeah, not a, not a lot of depth there. And you look at like 600 hours, not an exaggeration. We saw stuff like that. It's funny. It's all solitaire. <laughs> um, there's there's one thing I know we're uh, we're just about out of time here, but oh, we're fine. Inquiring minds really need to know. Uh, there's a there's a blueprint that you have to make in Shenzhen IO where you're designing a very specific piece of hardware for a virtual reality headset, mm-hmm. which I have been calling mm. the, the VR intimacy buzzer, and mm-hmm. we very much wanted to know if that's a true story. Oh, wait, that. I had read online that maybe, maybe I shouldn't say the company, but that it was, let's just say loosely, it, it's inspired by maybe a real thing someone was asked to do somewhere you worked or somewhere someone you worked with once worked. Is that true? Oh, no. So I worked on, I worked on VR stuff at Valve. Yeah. And oh, okay. Well, I guess we can say that. <laughs> yeah. I, I worked on VR stuff at Valve. I don't remember it. I always thought it was just a joke about somebody like jerking off in VR. Oh, right? yeah. like, well, now you're so, going to scandalize Pippin. You say stuff. Yeah, like, we try not to say jerking off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's we could we could be adults about this, right? Like, so that was that was the joke. I'm trying to think. There's um, there. I remember people talking about like a knock knock 
feature in VR, but I think it was always just for like the safety concerns, mm. right? It's actually really hard to get somebody's attention in VR, like when you're doing anything and people are like swinging virtual swords around and stuff. And, and yeah. this is one of, this is one of the big, I don't, it's been a long time since I paid attention to VR at all, but like it was a big concern. And this is why they all have like pass through cameras and stuff. Everybody was always really concerned about people in VR being aware of their surroundings from like a safety standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I, I feel like the obvious way is, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't really remember how that joke came up, but I, I feel like it's definitely just that character being like a weird guy. <laughs> like the guy who talks about it is like, a, you know, he's a weird guy and we made him weirder, you know, through that puzzle. So I, that had to have been the first thing that started it. But I don't now I don't remember. Um, I can look up the design document and, and tell you. <laughs> Yeah. I think it was something specifically at HTC Valve was uh was the rumor anyway, but we don't remember. Well. Where did you where did this rumor come from that you're reading rumor? Was it oh was this like a like unrelated to Shenzhen IO? There was a rumor that somebody at HTC Valve wanted a an intimacy buzzer. A, no, it was through I can probably track it down. Did I say and, this? No, you didn't. <laughs> I think I, we're talking about it now, but I never saw you talk about it before. Oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I think it's just people on the internet talking, but you don't know unless you ask. I see. That's hilarious. No, I don't recall any actual instance of it, but I don't, I don't remember where all of our jokes come from specifically, especially years later. But well, it might be a good idea. Maybe we should really make this thing. I, I it probably has happened. I'm not sure. I I'm feel sure like, it exists. I feel like it must market. exist. I yeah. feel like it, I feel like this had to just be Matthew just writing a weirdo character. Cause there's lots of other weirdo stuff about that guy that's not based on like yes. HTC Valve rumors. <laughs> he is that guy. Um, well, we've talked about a lot of reactions to, um, you know, just the existence of these games, your games specifically. Uh, what's sort of your typical reaction when you hear people say that they're good? at your games <laughs> do you believe them oh i mean honestly people i don't really see a lot of people going around claiming that they're good at my games if anything every single person i ever see talk about playing one of my games is like well i got about a third of the way in which is how far i usually get in a zactronics game <laughs> that's what i always see is people saying how bad they are at them which doesn't oh. make me feel great in general um but that's the thing i see what i do see occasionally is people who are very good at them and they're never saying, oh, I'm very good at them. It's just like, oh, you're very good at this game by these artifacts that you're showing me from this game, right? Like a lot mm-hmm. of our games export GIFs and score high scores and, and histograms and stuff. And and like the, the people who are really good at them are actually pretty quietly good at them. They're probably very busy just playing them, you know? Yeah, right? And they're just not, like, I think a lot of them are, I get the impression that a lot of people who are really good at our games are, are like a little introverted. Um and they don't like they're not necessarily the type and they're like like more they're older usually they're like probably like in college at least um so there's oh, no, that's of, older oh <laughs> seems young well, compared to like 12 year olds on the sure, internet, sure. you know like yeah. I, I imagine most of the trash talking on the internet comes from people who are about mm. 12 mm-hmm. so um yeah so i i think they're sort of like the kind of people that just kind of you know, just destroy the game rather than having to tell everybody that they're great at it or something. Yeah, most of the people I see talking about our games are how bad they are at them. Yeah, I guess that's typical for internet discourse. Would yeah, you no. be good at your games? Like, you don't really play them because well, you already know the solutions, but would you be? 
Oh, I mean, well, the funny thing is that none of the none of my puzzles start as a solution. Mm. I just come up with a puzzle. I'm just like, yeah, this looks good. Like you could somebody could probably beat this. This seems like it's probably <laughs> the right difficulty. I sort of famously, um, I, I I do not play my own. Like I don't solve my own puzzles to make them a puzzle. I just make the puzzle. And then, like, sort of assume it's solvable. Sometimes mm. I'll test them to see if they are. Um, a lot of my games totally. are a little too difficult because of this. Um, like, somebody solves every puzzle be- usually before it ships, but, like, not, not necessarily by a lot. And it's often not me solving them. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at them, though. Um, yeah, like I made, uh, in, in Last Call, which is our, our last game, one of the mini games is called Chip Wizard, and it's kind of like a remake of this old game about building integrated circuits I made called Constructor. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually, those puzzles ended up being a little harder than I thought they would be. Um, and so I actually had to go through and solve all of them. And I, I felt pretty smug actually when I <laughs> solved them, because people talk about that being like one of the hardest games in the collection. And it's just like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I got, I still got it, you nice. know? So, um, yeah. I believe Zach is good at Zachtronics games. Yeah, huh? right. I mean, it's, it was sort of a surprise to me. I don't know. Um, I'm definitely <laughs> not as good as the best players. Cause I, I, like, I, I can solve most of my puzzles, but like the, the stuff they do to optimize it is just mm, like obscene yeah, and unimaginable. And I, I do not understand it. And, but like, I can usually like solve most, some of, most of our puzzles. Keep but yeah, I just, I, I make them without solutions, though. They're just, that's what makes them so open-ended. Is oh, that there, there was I, never I, any solution. I play them without any solutions. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we really appreciate you making the time, Zach. I don't know, Pippin, do you have anything else? We don't want to keep you from, uh, your and lunch, I, of course. Oh, I can go longer if you guys have more questions. Uh, I don't mind. I feel like we could probably go on for like either. One minute or a couple of hours, and I like. I think that that's a nice place to to wrap it up. Is that uh, Zach can in fact solve his own puzzles, <laughs> but so, doesn't always. But doesn't I does. choose. Sometimes <laughs> I choose to. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you making the time, and thanks again for uh, you know your generosity of sharing all of uh, you know the games that you guys have all worked on. And I keep dipping in and out, and I'm pretty bad at all of them but uh but maybe i think you've heard that all before um but we really appreciate it yeah it's great i have a challenge for pippin oh please challenge all right should i should i hang up or no you should if if you're so certain that our games are educational you should do you use them in your class i could yeah i'm teaching programming again in the fall go ahead and um, try it out and let me know if you think that it if it, I, so I used some of my games in my computer science classes last year, but it was only as a sort of, you finished all the other stuff I had set oh, out. Now I you're allowed run to out play. of, yeah, now you're allowed to play Opus Magnum. Opus Magnum was the one that was really popular. Okay. Um, because the other ones were just insanely like, you know, like even after learning JavaScript for a semester or whatever, um, some of the other games were really intense. I went with Exapunks because I feel like even though it has the mm-hmm. most documentation, the programming itself is more straightforward. Even that was like a huge challenge. Uh, but Opus Magnum, a lot of them got really far in Opus Magnum because it's not, it's not like I, there's, there's this difference, you know, between, um, like, 
like games that are like really like the game our programming games that are really trying to be like programming and our games where you're just kind of merely scripting a sequence of events mm-hmm. right and they're they're very different in terms of what they ask from people in terms of like data structures and algorithms these kinds of things there's no there's no data structures or algorithms in opus magnum it's just the sequence of events and so that that went better but yeah i would be curious to see yeah. like if you, if you think they're serious, especially like TS-100, like I, I would, I would almost put money on the idea that if you put TIS-100 in front of like an intro computer class, that they will all like be mad drop and out. lost and yeah, drop the <laughs> class. <laughs> you have to finish this before I will teach you JavaScript. Yeah, but prove me wrong. So. Yeah, no, I, I will. I'll, um, I'll put it in front of them and see what they make of it. Cool. <laughs> Thank you all so right, much. So. That was a yeah. great conversation. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you for wiretapping game thing. For more information, please hang up and dial game thing dot life. Goodbye. <laughs>